0: All right. Good to see you guys. Uh, I'm, I ran out of booklets. I thought I, I mean, we, we printed 50 of them, and I didn't think there was more than 50 in this class. So whoever took 10 of them home, you can bring nine back. You know, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, if you, if you never got a booklet, please alert me to that. I'll try to get some more uh, done next week. Uh, and it, it it's important you have it, because uh, we do this, there, there's hands-on stuff here that we're doing in class. And so if you don't have a booklet, then you're not going to uh, be able to follow uh, a lot of things that we're doing. So it's really important that you, that you keep it and you bring it back uh, uh, every week as we participate in the class. So uh, obviously we've had a bit of interruption here on how the flow of this class has gone because of my extended illness that I decide to get every about three years or so, uh, but uh, far far better. So t- technically, we we're, we're really uh, starting in the beginning uh, this week. Fortunately, it's a nice 13-week class, and so we've got plenty of time to make up for some things. But this, some of you have been through this, and 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 I'm gonna I've added some things about what we'll talk about tonight than what we've done, what I've done before. But this is this is starting really basic. It's starting with uh, basically pretending that uh, some of the people that are going to go through this, uh, some of them are online right now that I've already talked to, that couldn't be here, uh, that are going to go through this. This is new, they're, they're fairly new Bible students. And so I'm not going to assume and just pass over things uh, that, that we should know about this. But your participation is going to be involved here, and, and I'm gonna be asking you uh, questions uh, as we go through this, and you'll, I will follow pretty closely to what you have on the sheet in the booklet. So, our, our beginning here. This this class is mainly talking about how we prepare our minds for Bible study, how we prepare the what approach we want to make to Bible study, uh, how we need to look at it. So, we're going to reorient our thinking in some of these ways in in order to do that. So, primarily two things through this whole series that we're trying going to try to do, and we're going to emphasize and that is how to read the Bible and how to study the Bible. I'm making an important differentiation there. All of us have times and should have, like daily times, in which we sit down and read the Bible, even if it's just a few minutes. But we want to grab some time every day in which we read the Bible. And we want there's a, there's a way to do that, and there's a way not to do that. And we will be talking about the proper way to do that so that we actually get something out of it. All of us have read the Bible, walked away, and ten minutes later couldn't tell anybody what it said uh, because we didn't really read it correctly. So we want to we make it productive. And, uh, and then we want to have regular times, and I would suggest at least once a week. But well, we're going to devote ourselves to a little more depth. We want to we want to get into some study uh, where we're not just casually reading and noting what's in the text, or, or becoming a, a familiar with a text. We want to get a time where we can study it. And of course, we immediately ask, well, what does that mean? And, and that's what we'll talk about. How how do we do that? How do we get something beyond just being familiar with something in the text? Okay, so that. That's going to be our primary approach. Here's the most important thing, and this is what everything is all about, and that is the key to reading and studying and doing it on a regular basis is actually enjoying doing it. So, it, And I've mentioned this before, but if you don't enjoy it, you won't keep doing it. So it, it, uh, a lot of times I'll point out, I, there's two main things that God talked about, and there's probably more than that too, but there's a couple of things God talked about that um, you ought to enjoy. One would be getting to know him, and the other would be marriage. And, and it, it, if you're not enjoying it, then it's because you're not doing it right. Because there's nothing wrong with God, and there's nothing wrong with what God made and what his institution is, and you ought to be enjoying it. So all y'all you have to do is ask, well, if I'm not enjoying it, then what? I must not be doing it right. Because it is designed to enjoy. And enjoying it is what motivates you to get more. And enjoying God is what we're doing. We're ultimately enjoying him and through, through our Bible study. And that's what we want to do. We want to discover how that is. Key to enjoying it is first-hand discovery of what the Scripture says. Not second-hand when I teach or preach, you are getting secondhand discovery. It's not the most valuable. I'm trying, when I preach or teach, I am trying to open new doors for you, for your own personal study to go from there. I'm not trying to give you everything. It is even possible. can't do it. Uh, can't, can't talk to 130 people and expect to hit everybody at the right spot or where they're needed or answer all the questions. So you should listen to sermons or listen to studies or whatever for the purpose of opening windows and doors for you to explore more. If you don't do your own self-discovery and your own further exploring, then you're probably going to forget most of the things that are told you and that you're going to stay at that dull of hearing level as the Hebrews were. You're not, you're not going to progress. So th- that's just so critical. I can't, uh, can't emphasize that enough. When I listen to other preachers, I am always—sometimes I'll listen to one lesson six times, seven times, because it's so complicated. Not that he's doing it complicated. It's so new to me, is something I've never learned before. And when something brand new to you, it's like, I got to hear that again. I got to hear that again. Right now, I'm reading a book that I'm reading the second time because the first time I was like, okay, I think I got the general idea. I got to go back now so that I can actually incorporate that in my life somehow, because he's made some observations I never saw before in in my study of the scriptures. And, And Anyway, you, you get the point. You, you got you to discover it firsthand. If you're discovering secondhand, it's not that much fun. And, uh, and so that's Hebrews 5, verse 11 through 14. Remember the Hebrews? For this time, for by, the time, by this time in your Christian development, you should be teaching. But you still have, some, have, have to have somebody teach you. I had an had a older preacher when I was younger tell me, uh, I can, I, he says, I can tell you for most Christians, if you'll preach to them what they already know, they'll walk out and pat you on the back and say, that was great. If you preach to them things that they've never heard before, they'll look at you and go, that's just too deep. You need, you need to encourage me more. And, and I've had that a, a, a lot of times. Uh, it, it's, a, it's just different. Uh, some groups, like this group, have a strong taste for discovery, and so you are a pleasure uh, to teach and preach to. Uh, other groups that I have gone, uh, they just look at you like, why don't you just uh, talk about those basics again? Well, that's, that's what the, where the Hebrew Christians were. They just stayed with the first principles. We can't do that if we're going to grow. Questions or comments about that? That's just kind of a little introductory. We'll talk more about how to do firsthand, obviously. If it's not your own, and if you didn't discover it yourself, the next person that comes along, it's going to change their mind. Well, that's a good one, too. That's right. That's an important point because you're not grounded with it. Uh, You heard it all of that, and goodness, there's lots and lots of people that have grown up on the pew that can tell you all the right answers, but they couldn't justify it, couldn't tell you why that's really the, the belief. That's right. In fact, I appreciated a young lady, uh, not, not a Christian here, but uh, uh, calling me the other day and saying, you know, I, I, I've always known what the answers were, but I'm at a point now where I need to get my own faith. Can you help me with this, this, and this? And so we, we've been doing some Zoom studies on that, uh, and that's great. That, that's what that's what you, where you should get. And if you don't, then there's obviously a problem. Uh, so that that's it's just it's just really critically important that we do that. So we we're, we're going to start with perception. How you perceive your uh, approach to reading and studying the Bible. Some of you, again, you can't answer this part because you've been in the class before and, and you already know uh, the, these answers. But I'm going to ask you, what if, what if I gave you the assignment to read the entire New Testament slowly and out loud? Slowly, out loud. Not fast, not speed reading. Slowly, slowly and out loud, so you have to actually enunciate as if you were recording it, and somebody had to listen to it. And you're going to talk slowly, and you're going to read slowly, like, like how many of you ever, some of you have, because you're, you're, you're parents, how many times you've read stories to uh, your children. And when you read it out loud, it, it, uh, it wears you out after a while, doesn't it? Uh, Teresa and I have both fallen asleep by doing it, slurring our words, trying to, trying, trying to read a, a, a text. Now, look at it and go, this is just way too long to read out loud. But you can imagine reading it out loud. So take a guess. How many hours? Now, you're talking all the genealogies, by the way, in Matthew and in Luke. You're talking all of that. You're talking everything in Revelation. You're talking Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, all of that. And just understanding that in Luke and Acts, Luke wrote more than everything Paul wrote. So get an idea of how much is there and get a, a, just a, a good wild guess of how many hours you think that would take you. We read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at the Hull's house. In about eight hours. Okay. So just the Gospels, uh, you, you bring up one point. Uh, we all got together one, uh, one Saturday, and we started about eight o'clock in the morning and uh, took some breaks and things like that, but eight, nine hours, something like that. Uh, in fact, I think it was a little longer than that, because we, we were there 12 hours, but we did have two eating breaks, et cetera. Uh, but still, 10 to 11 hours probably reading out loud. Uh, we did stop and talk. A bit, but anyway, ten to 12 hours, 10 to eleven hours reading out loud Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that gives you that gives you a little start, doesn't it? All right. Uh, somebody want to take a guess? How many hours? Pardon? Gonna guess hours. You're gonna guess about twenty-four hours. Okay, not 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 a bad not a bad guess. Anybody else? Higher or lower? Okay. Took you, you're reading really fast. Were you reading out loud? No. no. So that doesn't count. not <laughs> count. I can't read fast enough. Well, but... <laughs> Do you, does anybody see the word slowly up there? I don't, I don't know. Is, it, is that even on the screen or is it my eyes? <laughs> this is slowly enunciating carefully because you're not trying to speed read. <laughs> That's the idea. You might want to take another guess? <laughs> what do you think, Leslie? Good, good number. All right. Yeah, I mean that—that that, that would be in the neighborhood that I think my guess would have been originally, something like that. Uh, we we get in that you're thinking yeah, you know, I mean, this, it's, it's, it's pretty long. And I, just like Alan said, you just look at the first four Gospels and you haven't even gotten to Acts and it is 28 huge chapters. And so there, there's a lot. And, and then Paul's epistles are more than just Luke and Acts. Uh, so you put all that together. Well, here, here's what it is. It's 19 hours and 10 minutes. Now, for most of you, that's probably a shock. And the, by the way, the reason I know that is because uh, I re- the, probably the first recording I ever heard was by a reader, an English, uh, British guy, Alexander Scurvy, and he read the King James version. <laughs> so you know how much long, you know, and he, he did it in 19 hours and 10 minutes on the recording. Why we we looking at that? Because our perception When you perceive it to be 50 hours, when you perceive it to be really long, you psych yourself out. I did that running cross-country all the time. I'd think about how long it was going to take to run this three-mile race, and I would get all psyched out about it like I'm going to die. And the more I psyched myself out, the worse runner I was. So, you, you, you know, we, we start something. I mean, I did this when I, Louie and I both did this. You know, we get in school and they hand us the textbook and it's this thick and you open it up and there's no, page, there's no pictures. That's the worst part. And then uh, and, and, and the print's like this big and you're going, oh, I got to drop this class. I can't take it. You know, you just psych yourself completely out. 19 hours and 10 minutes. Most Americans are spending twice that time on screens, and phones, and things like this. 19 hours and 10 minutes? This is not an overwhelming book. God has not asked too much of us. So pretty, pretty, pretty uh, uh, significant. Uh, t- how, how about this one? So I'm going to give a quick, quick uh, guess on the Old Testament. All right, now, that, now now we're getting Psalms, 10% of the Old Testament. Now you're getting really big, lots of genealogies. First nine chapters of chron, uh, chron, Chronicles, second Chronicles, this is genealogy. First Chronicles is genealogies. How long? you go to go go with the 50. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, we're, uh, <laughs> now that, sound, that sounds about right, you know, uh, something like that. So you, you you know you're going, okay, well this is really uh, really really big. Uh, it is a little more. Yeah, 64 hours and 20 minutes. Uh, but when you look at the entire Bible then, you have 83 and a half hours reading slowly out loud. Now somebody says, "Well, you going to understand all that and all that kind of stuff?" No, you're of course you're not. Is there a place for reading the Bible in a fairly quick way that way, especially reading the New Testament that way? Yes, there is. Not because you are trying to necessarily understand everything, but you're trying to get a feel of the bigger picture. So, for example, and Mara mentioned this, uh, great exercise to read the New Testament within a two month period if you haven 't done that in a long time because you will get an a easy flavor of how the whole thing flows and and, and connects uh, and you can do that you can read the whole New Testament in one month reading about thirty five minutes a day it 's it's, it's not a big a, a big deal and again don 't rush but you could read you could read thirty five minutes a day. You know, uh, and and you would have it all read. Um, you you could read it all in two months if you read about 17 minutes or so a, a day. No, no that's, that's not big. And yet, you would have an easy flow of how everything connects. That's where I started. When I really got serious about my Bible study, I started that way. And it just it, it unimaginably changed my view of the of the New Testament and, and what I was uh, able then to go back and begin to look more at the details. So it's a, it's a real valuable type of thing to do now and then. I would not suggest to do that yearly. I'm going to suggest something else that we ought to be doing more regularly than, than that. Uh, but that is a, a good start. So our, our approach then is always by careful observation we want to gather all the facts before we draw a conclusion now of course that's true especially about a topic but we're not talking so much about studying topics in this series we're studying we're talking about actually reading the bible the way the holy spirit delivered it to us more than anything else you want to understand the Holy Spirit's message, not an answer to a question or a topic. If you will learn the Holy Spirit's message, the answers to the topics will just fall in place. But when you start trying to find an answer to a topic by jumping here and there all over the Bible, you are, you are doomed to do what? Well, probably that. But what? Getting wrong. You're going to kick things out of context. Because you can proof text a few, a few verses here and a few verses here and a few verses here and tie them together without consideration or understanding of the actual meaning of what's going on in that particular book. It's the biggest mistake I have seen brethren do over my lifetime. The biggest mistake. Such an emphasis on answer answer this question, answer that. What's the right answer to this issue? What's the right answer to the Holy Spirit? What's the right answer to that? You are never going to find the right answer if that's the way you approach it. Because you don't even know an actual Bible book and how the author developed it, and how the message was developed, and the details of it. You don't know those things, so it's easy just to grab a text out of that and then go, hey, that's pretty cool. Oh, and look at this one over here. I found a cross-reference. Put them together, and I've got a brand new uh, doctrine, basically, <laughs> that, that uh, was just invented because that's what I wanted to discover anyway. So, it's real, real, real dangerous. Before drawing conclusions, you want to really gather all of the facts. So, the first goal here's when are your first goal of serious Bible study should be. And this isn't on your sheet, you'll have to write it in. Discover each book of the Bible one, t- one, one at a time. In other words, how many Christians have actually said, okay, I want to discover. Every single 60, all 66 books. I, I'm not going to leave any of them out. I If somebody says to me, Zephaniah, I've got a picture in my mind of basically what Zephaniah did. And maybe some key text that Zephaniah wrote. Because I've spent some time with it. I mean time with it. I sat down with it and Zephaniah became my friend. And I, and I really could could sit there and go, oh yeah, I can can give you a pretty good idea uh, of that. Every book of the Bible needs that. And most importantly, if it doesn't have it, always look at the Bible this way. 66 books are like 66 jigsaw puzzles put together in one giant jigsaw puzzle that gives you a perfect picture of who God and Jesus are. Where are the holes in your jigsaw puzzle? everybody's got holes. And when there's a hole in the puzzle, you can't see the picture, because there's no box top lid. So it's critical to know all the—God is just as interested in you knowing Zephaniah as he is in you knowing Acts. It is important to the picture of who God is. So I, that, that's the goal. Uh, and, and I don't think a lot of Christians have had that goal. Uh, read through the Bible oh, every year or something like that. I, I would. I urge you to stop doing that. You're wasting a lot of time. Uh, take, a, take, say, this year, I would like to study five books, even if it's just five books. Or maybe it's a big one. I just want to, this year, I'm going to concentrate on really understanding Isaiah. I've got about an hour a week to dedicate myself to it. Well, okay. Whatever. Learn it. It'll change your life. How many, t- how many things do you remember when you just read through the hot Bible in one year? Oh, come on. Uh, been there and done that. <laughs> you, you just don't. <laughs> you get in a hurry. You're not sitting, you're not sitting and, and just going. You ever gone to a really expensive restaurant? Yeah, a few, few of you maybe? You, you, every now and then? Do you eat as fast as you can and get out of there? Pay your hundred bucks? No you savoring every minute and bite. Well, that's what we're supposed to be doing here. It's not fast food. <laughs> so, uh, crit- critically important. Uh, next important thing, it's an independent study. You're going to initially avoid commentaries or other uninspired parts of your Bible. You're going to ignore notes. You're going to ignore anything else. You want a nice blank page. And you want to avoid, it's independent. You want to rid your mind as much as possible of not assuming, oh yeah, I've read this text before, I think I know what it says. Oh, for crying out loud. Uh, The Bible just isn't that way. This isn't a Harry Potter story. Uh, you, You can't make those assumptions. And so try as much as you can to see it cleanly, to see it without influence from the outside. That isn't to say there's never a time where you want some, that you don't want outside influence. In fact, that's the next question. What are the dangers of commentaries to a Bible study? And I'm talking about your initial starting out study. What are the dangers of going to a commentary too quickly? Second hand. Okay, first off, it's second hand. It's not very exciting. I, an older preacher told me when I was first starting out, he, he said, he says, I was told and he says I thought it's a good point. The Bible sure do shed a lot of light on them, their commentaries. <laughs> and I always remembered that. I thought, boy, that's the, if that isn't the truth, it, it, is, it is so troubling. You can, you can just get buried in many, many commentaries. Well, listen. Yeah, okay, good, good question. There's all kinds of uninspired parts of your Bible. Somebody want to list them real quick? Chapter titles. Chapter titles. Chapter divisions, Verses. verse divisions. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of things like that. Your own per- personal notes you may have put in there. There's a lot of things. Paragraph markings. Study Bibles, yeah. study Bibles have tons of things that are added in. Those are all distractions to discovery. Yeah, and I'm glad you asked that. Yeah. But Okay, good. You know, you have, you're not ready to evaluate. It's such a great point. You're not ready to evaluate what they're saying because you haven't discovered the Scripture for yourself yet. And so that is going to tend to put a pair of uh, uh, commentary glasses on when you do read. Now you're necessary. Now what you might do? You might read into what you read in the text, what this guy said about it. And it might not be the truth at all, and and it's going to distort what you're seeing, and it does it. Clouds your mind, clouds your mind all the time. Sometimes you'll hear you you know if you hear a preacher and, and preaching and it's like boy it's just, it's just like he opened a cold can of beans and is delivering it to us. It's just uncooked. It's not fresh. I almost guarantee you. He's read something and he just kind of took it and went, let me place this here and place this here and place this here, you know, and all this. There's no, there's no juice in it, you know. There's no, just no zeal in it because it isn't, it hasn't been freshly discovered and uh, and ruminated on and meditated on. Yeah, Louis. That's right. Yeah. To you. Yeah. But I was reading it to you, you wasn't I? You said, don't no, believe what I'm saying, look what it says. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe what it says, just look what it says. That's exactly right. And that's it. So there's a lot of dangers in that. It will ruin your originality juices, it will ruin your ability to be fresh with the text. And most importantly, it's not fun. Uh, there are very, very few commentaries I said on Red One. Boy, this is the most interesting thing I ever read. You know, so, no, the Bible's the most interesting thing I ever read. Will you say something? I was going to say, it gives the illusion of knowledge. There's yeah. a lot of that right I've yeah. a lot of theology classes and read a lot of theology books and discovered that I didn't really know where the theology came from. I right. just repeated it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, Ecclesiastes mentions that. Making of many books, there is a no end and a weariness, uh, but there's one shepherd that delivered one thing, and that's what you want to pay attention to. Uh, so true. So uh, how should we use commentaries? Uh, just for a little time uh, essence here. Use commentaries as friends that you have over here When you have already done your own personal study and you have come to your conclusions of the text and you've jotted down your notes, and then you go, okay, is there something I've missed? Let me go over and talk to my friend over here who 's done the same study let 's see if he saw something I missed Number one Number two, let me see what his conclusions are. Maybe I drew some conclusions that aren 't warranted that he will he will point out to me so it 's like a, a friend I have a few friends in my library that I can go talk to once i 've done my own study and be able to to uh, to basically uh, look in the mirror and see how, did, did, I, did I miss something drastically or did they miss something? And there's a lot of times I'll read and go, well, you guys really missed some serious things here. And other times I'll read and go, wow, that was something I didn't see in my study. And they open a door for me to look more, more carefully. So friends that you can use after the fact, but not before. That's when it becomes uh, dangerous uh, to do. All right. You want to, and this is this is the hardest thing we ever have to do. You want to see you want to see things as they really are. <laughs> you, you don't want your bias in there. You want to see it as it really is. That's that's loving the truth. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse ten and eleven. Uh, those who are going to be saved love the truth. Those who are not going to be saved do not love the truth so as to be saved, his exact words. So you have to love truth. And when you love truth, what's going to happen to your own belief systems and your own prejudices? They're going to get attacked. And here, here's a typical thing. Everybody does it, I don't care what church you're in. You're, you're reading something, you go, uh, if that means what that says. That doesn't make sense. You look, man, what is he talking about? If that's true, I just, oh, well, go on. Boom. (laughs) What did you just do? You have passed over something. Now, you may have to grapple with it for a year, but you better grapple with it and not just turn around and go, oh, well. I must not be looking at it right. No, maybe your old belief system is messed up, and you're unwilling to let it give you the good good poke about where you are. That could be God's way of saying, hey, wake up. You're going down the wrong path. So it, it's a challenge, big, big challenge for us to do. So you avoid locking into what you've previously believed or previously taught. Uh, you have to extricate yourself from those things so that you're looking at it as honestly as possible. Uh, it's not that you're not going to build on previous knowledge, but you're always open to the fact that you may not have seen everything in previous study. Duh. <laughs> You, you, there may be things that you didn't discover, uh, facts you didn't glean so that your conclusions are going to be drawn differently than what you did before. Goodness, I've had that happen many, many times in my life. Uh, and, and that's what builds your growth, builds your knowledge, builds your, your, uh, your, your approach to, to God. Uh, really, another really important principle. A good Bible student will always ask why. Uh, you're reading a text and you just can't figure it out. Like I've used the example here, 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10. 1 Corinthians 8, he's, gonna, he's, he's whacking the Corinthians for eating, uh, eating meat in the idol's temple. 1 Corinthians 9, he tells the church why it's important for them to pay preachers. And then 1 Corinthians 10, he again goes back and talks about idolatry. <laughs> Leslie's like, that don't make any sense. I went, exactly, that doesn't make any sense. Because even though it sounds like on the surface that Paul in chapter 9 is talking about paying preachers, what he's actually doing is, in chapter 8, he was saying, you need to you need to sacrifice your own liberties by not going to that idol's temple for the, for the weak brother. Just like chapter 9, I've sacrificed my right to accept money from you so that I'm not lumped in with all these false teachers and you don't get the wrong idea. Chapter 10, therefore, flee idolatry because, bum, bum, bum. It's all about idolatry but we can get messed up by the chapter division. That's what I was pointing out a second ago. Chapter division suddenly, oh, and you might even see it in your title, paying preachers. (laughs) How silly. You know, that's not what he's talking about at all. Uh, In fact, the idea of just asking questions about a text is critical. You should always be asking questions. Be so inquisitive. Uh, What, who, when, how, why, what is, if you don't ask questions, then you're not gonna seek answers. So that, that's the part that gets you a deeper dive, gets you into really the discovery you ought to be doing when you're always asking questions about a text. Be really critical in, uh, in, your, uh, in your approach and your examination. So that's, that's uh, super important here. Okay, and uh, uh, then uh, this, is, this, is, uh, this is an overall look at how we're going to A, B, C, D, Look at our Bible study. So when I start a text, and this will be reiterated a number of times, when we start a text, it's always going to begin with observation. What do I see? Discover just what's there without drawing conclusions. That's a real hard thing for us Christians to do. We like, we're drawing conclusions the moment we read the first three words. No, stop it. <laughs> Discover. Discover. Uh, If if you're looking at one of my textual worksheets, you would see me just circling words just in my first read-through. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, connect. Here's it again. Here it is again. Here it is again. Suddenly it starts coming together. I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to get aware. Just be aware of what's there. Don't draw conclusions. Just get aware of what is uh, there. So observation, what do you see? Then you follow with interpretation. What does it mean? Watch it now. Not what does it mean in the 21st century. Not what does it mean in today's culture. What did it mean to the original readers? What was the original author and readers trying to happen? What was going on then? If you can't determine the application for the original reader, you can't determine the application for today. You will make (coughs) an incorrect application today if you don't get the right application in the first century. You will make a huge leap and you can't do that. So it's like in a Bible class I don't know how many times you know I ask a question what do you think this text teaches somebody says well you know that really shows these people today who you know you know like, and <laughs> show anybody today yet we haven't talked about what it did then what does it mean then? So that's the first, it's verse the two. Then it pleads for application. Now, how does this affect me? But I've got to do the first two things first. How does this affect me? If you were reading any study book, or that how to study book, whether it's Bible or anything else, these are the three things they will talk about. They almost every one of them missed the most important one that talks, that's talked about in the Bible, and that's the fourth one. It concludes with communication. How can I tell this to others? That should be we as Christians, the primary goal when it's all said and done, Uh, uh, obviously with my connection to God and getting me closer to God. But then at that point, all right, how can I tell this to somebody? You will study your Bible entirely differently if you will always read a paragraph and then stop and say, how would I just explain that in my own way? And once you do that, it will change your Bible study like you cannot believe. It's why teachers of the Word know the Word so well. Because in order to teach it, they've had to study it with the idea of how am I going to actually explain it. And and don't explain it uh, in your mind. Don't think the explanation. In other words, speak the explanation. Speak it out loud. Even if you're by yourself, speak it out loud. Tell it to your dog. I don't know. You might baptize your dog one day. Speak it out loud and uh, and and tell. Because what you'll find out is 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 you start to say it and you like, go <laughs> just like when I first started practicing preaching out there. Got it all in my mind. Let me let me see how it comes out. I want to pull my tongue out and stomp on it. It's not coming out right. I have to practice. I have to learn how to get it from here to here. Uh, Ephesians 4, 4 uh, 15. We have to learn to speak the truth in love, quote unquote. Speak, 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 speak the truth in love. That prepares you. So it, and everybody can do that. It doesn't, doesn't make any difference. I've, ha- I've had people convert their neighbors by going over and say, look, I'm trying to learn the Bible well enough to tell to somebody else, would you mind uh, being my um, guinea pig? And they actually convert them. You know, I, it's a little, little hint, by the way. Uh, it really, really works well. Okay. So primary goal in Bible study. Anybody get a wild guess? Primary goal. Thank you. Thank you. Love God. That's exactly right. Our ultimate purpose. See Him. Know Him. Savor Him. Loving Him deeply. Jesus said when you learn the scriptures, John 6, and 45, the Father will draw you. You'll be drawn to Jesus. And that's what you want. You want to fall in love with your God. Don't learn it just to know answers or what's in the Bible, or I studied my Bible today. Did you, you read your Bible, did you see God? If you didn't see God, if it didn't draw you closer, if your love didn't grow, you need to go back and do it again. That's, I mean, what else, what other, what good have we done if we don't get to that? Really, that's that that because that then grows our taste for Him more and more. Peter talked about tasting that the Lord is good when he talked about Bible study, like a newborn babe desiring the milk of the Word. He says, "Taste it; it's good; it's delicious." All right, so critical critical point uh, to get to that. Uh, the psalmist said, Psalm 139, 17, oh, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. Just think of those words, precious. All of us could say, well, is, is the, are the scriptures precious to me? If they're precious, then, then am I treating them that way? Am I treating them with the value that they have? When you have something precious, like, you you know, somebody buys a, I don't know, the Corvette they always wanted or whatever, uh, you know, what do they do? Well, they go out in the garage before they go to bed and they take a little dust cloth and, you know, they're looking at it and thinking about it, and they treat it real nice and sweet and all that. It's like the bumper sticker I saw one time, if if you don't want your wife to be a nag, treat her like a thoroughbred. And I thought that was a good one too. <laughs> uh, but uh, you need to treat the Bible correctly, precious, how great. It's uh, just, and of course Psalm 119 will tell you all the different ways. Uh, that it's great. Uh, we don't have time to go through this little exercise, but I've often asked a group. I can't ask it much anymore. Nobody receives love letters anymore, unfortunately. Those of us are older. We remember writing each other love letters. Uh, but how would you read a love letter? Well, you got the mailbox, and the first thing you do, you're anticipating. You're excited. You see, oh, it's from the person I'm dating, you know, or whatever, whatever, and my fiance, and, and you're all anticipating. You can't wait. You should have that for the Bible as well. And, uh, and so you read through it really quickly at first. You know, you're just trying to get an idea of what's there. And then you go back through it more slowly a second time. Make sure you didn't miss anything. Make sure you understood everything just right. And then you read it over and over again and commit it to your heart. And you throw it in the trash can. Uh, no, no, no. And then you tuck it away and pull it out again every, time, every now and then. And, and look at it again. And, and you're even seeing what's not said. Well, I wonder why she signed it. Uh, sincerely, man, that doesn't sound right. You know, <laughs> you know, there's just you're 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 making these careful observations. I used to notice, you know, a girlfriend would write, and, and she'd put her she'd dot the i with a little circle and a smiley face. You know, I thought oh, that's really cute. You know, it's, that's that's something else. And obviously, you're reading the desire to know the one who wrote it. That's what you're really looking for. So there's a lot of things. If you uh, if you approach your Bible study the same way you would approach uh, getting a letter from somebody that loves you and you love, then you're going to read it differently. And, and you should see this really personal from God. It, it is This is a personal set of accounts that God is giving you so that you will fall in love with him. He's, he's wooing you. He's dating you. He's getting you to can't stand life without him. That's what he's doing. And if, if it isn't happening, then, then again, you're, you're not reading it right and you're not approaching it right. Uh, the only final one I have here, and I don't know if we can get through this, but find a regular time to study. Obviously, A regular, consistent pattern. When am I going to study? Mark it down. Make it a date. Make it an appointment. You, you. My workout schedule until COVID was always I had an appointment. I have to keep the appointment, or somebody's going to kill me. I have to keep the appointment, and that was the way I I looked at it. And COVID messed a lot of that up. But uh, you want to look at that. Read at least once a day. Don't be in a hurry. Read at least once a day, but it may, it may only say, I've only got five minutes, so why should I read? No, no, no. That's okay. Take the five minutes. But don't be in a hurry. Enjoy. It's not just the reading. It's the getting to know uh, that's important. Read in a quiet setting, obviously, without distractions. Be able to be by yourself. Read with a pencil. Have a Bible that you can mark. And even if you just read one chapter, you got you got you got a colored pencil or whatever, and you're just gonna highlight that, highlight that, highlight. Helps focus yourself. Helps keep your brain remembering what you're reading. Uh, very very uh, critical there. Read as a part of a Bible study project. We'll talk about Bible study projects in another uh, lesson where you just can do a little bit every week. Obviously, choosing a time you're most alert, a time of day you're most alert, and read, obviously, with more intensity and care. This is uh, such an important book that you're reading. Uh, you, you just can't pass by uh, that. I don't have to have one more there. Don't always read the same version or edition. <laughs> uh, reading Bibles that aren't the same edition, even if it's even the same translation, things are a different place on the page and you can catch things that you would have missed before. Or a different version will have a different way of translating a particular word, and it will alert you to things that you never learned before. So those are, uh, those are, are real valuable uh, for that. All right. Thank you for your time uh, and uh, your good participation, and we'll pick that up then again next week.